we are uh, continuing a series today um, called What on Earth Am I Here For? And uh, it's been unique for um, our church because we've been kind of answering a question um, that is, I think, really important in our day and age. Maybe the question I get asked more than anything is, uh, what is your purpose in life? What is your purpose in life? A lot of people ask that. A lot of people ask, what is my purpose in this earth? And, and um, it's hard to know that if you don't know like why you were formed and where you came from and what does the Bible have to say about where you came from. And so today, um, we're going we're gonna to open that up. Last week, we, we kind of started with part one. And it was an interesting uh, sermon. I highly encourage you please go back and check it out. We're on YouTube and Facebook and we're everywhere podcasts are. And you, you can see it anywhere. And I uh, highly encourage you to do that and, um, and check out week one. But uh, if my name is Aaron, if I have not a chance to meet you yet, uh, I'm the senior pastor here. And uh, hopefully I get to shake your hand after service. I always stand outside in the lobby. And so uh, don't feel shy. I'm not waiting for anybody. I'm waiting for you. And I'd uh, love to meet you and shake your hand. If you are a guest with us, I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. We're going to say three times. And uh, the reason we do that is because we believe that um, God's doing something really unique here at Rise, and uh, it's been nothing but a blessing of God um, of what happened in this church. But uh, we'd love for you to be a part of our spiritual family. But I think it takes a few times to come and get the flavor, get you know, get kind of the what's this church really like, and uh, be a part of it. Hopefully, you can uh, be a part of our spiritual family. If you're watching online, do me a favor: like, comment, share, leave a review. We actually, for those of you who are in here, we have hundreds of people who join us every weekend. Um, online in our digital world. So leave us a little comment what you're eating this morning for breakfast. Uh, if you are sick or you are gone, we're so glad that you're with us. But if you're local and you're just like hanging out at home, you need to come back to church. Uh, COVID's over. So you need to come back to church and come back in here and be a part of a spiritual family that, that we hopefully you're a part of. And um, and we're so glad that you're here. Again, last week we started, uh, Antonio, you can read my Bible. Uh, last week we, um, we started off with week one on really our purpose in life was was relationship. Everybody say relationship. Thank you. And it was not relationship with others. It was really relationship with God. You need to know this. You are on this earth um, to be in a relationship with, with God. Some of us don't really believe that. Some of us don't believe that we were made on purpose. We, we said last week, we can, we're made on purpose. Come on, for a purpose. Everybody say, we're made on purpose. For a purpose. Yeah, you are. You were made on purpose for a purpose. You're not an accident regardless of how you got onto this earth. You're here on purpose. You have a plan that God wants to actually not just work in your life. He wants to work through your life. And, and we talked about it. that really starts with our relationship with him. And we opened up a, a, a verse of scripture inside Ephesians chapter one. And that's where we're going to be. If you have your Bibles, please open up to Ephesians chapter one or take out your phone and click to Ephesians chapter one, um, which by the way, we put all my notes on version Bible app. So you can see where I'm going if you want to be one of those people and uh, you can check it out. But we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. And Ephesians, I talked about last week, was a letter that a man named Paul wrote to a church at Ephesus. And Ephesus was a city. And this church was important to him because he spent a lot of time there. He spent about three years in Ephesus, planted the church. He was part of this church. And a lot of Paul's letters, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. A lot of Paul's letters were, were they call them epistles or letters to the church of Romans, Corinthians. Those are all to a city. And he says, spends a lot of time kind of correcting doctrine because he kind of plants a church and takes off. And how many of y'all know, if you plant a church and take off, then the you know, come on, the, the animals are running the zoo, right? A little bit. And so he's got to come in and say, actually, that's not how God is. This is how God is. But his, his letter in Ephesians is not like that. Primarily, Ephesians is about encouraging the church in knowing who they are and knowing why they were created. And so in Ephesians chapter one, we, we opened it up last week. We're going to put it up on the screen. 
We'll read it for you. It says, Ephesians chapter 1 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He says, look, I want you to move past information about who God is to revelation about who God is to you, right? That's different. I want to move you from religion and that you go to church and maybe you check off a box on Christmas and Easter, but now you come to church on a regular basis because you're in relationship with God. That's different, right? He says, I want you to have a revelation that you may know him better. That was the first one we talked about last week. I want you to know God. And then, and then 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. This is important. That's where we're going to be today. In order that you may know the hope that which has called you and the riches of glorious inheritance of his holy people. God, he, he sets out to say God has these purposes in life that all of us have. And inside of his global purpose, you'll find your individual purpose and you won't waste your life. So today... We're gonna wrap, we're gonna keep it going. We're gonna keep moving on in our Purpose in Life series, kind of what on earth am I here for with the second purpose today. And before we do that, let's pray. Father, I thank you, Jesus, that you are here. You know, you are part of this church. We built this church on Jesus. It'll always be about Jesus. I pray that we would make much of you, Jesus, today and who you are and what you're trying to do and what you're trying to build. Get me out of the way and just take over the service. God, have, have a Holy Spirit moment. Your words are better than my words. Your message is better than my message. And I'm humbled every week that I get to come up here and do this. I don't deserve it, but I'm gonna do the best that I can. We're gonna listen, we're gonna be open, we're gonna be ready for your word to us individually. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. I think um, one of the most tough, tough feelings in all of life is the feeling of rejection. Isn't that true? Like when you feel like you, you took a step towards something or someone and they don't reciprocate the process. Because anybody ever had that happen? Guys, have you ever asked a girl out and she said, nah, homie, right? Like, has that ever happened? Ladies, have you ever? Well, I don't feel like girls ever get rejected. Does that happen in the girl world? I don't believe you. So anyway, I think it happens a lot with guys, but... But it would seem like it happens a lot. I, w I was in high school, and, and in high school, back when I was in high school, there was um, the cool thing. It's not really, I don't know if it's cool anymore. My teenagers don't tell me it's cool anymore. But, like, it used to be cool to go hang out at the mall. How many of y'all remember that? Like, you go, first of all, malls existed. And malls, if for those of you young people who don't know what a mall is, a mall is a, is a big, giant building that was indoors. Hello, somebody. Come on, Texas heat. It was indoors, air conditioned all the time. That's why all the old ladies, right, would go walk around the mall at five in the morning. Do y'all remember that? Was that offensive? I'm sorry. Okay, so anyway, but the mall had a bunch of stores, and when you're a teenager, that's where you wanted to hang out. And so I was a teenager, and I wanted to hang out there. But the cool thing about it wasn't just hanging out there, it was working there. I wanted to work in the mall so I could see my friends. We can hang out. I get a discount of the place I want to go to. So I remember this store that I liked was a really cool store. It was called Anchor Blue. I've got a picture. I don't think you guys have ever heard of this store. It was called Anchor Blue. Does anybody ever heard of this store, Anchor Blue? You had to not be from Texas to know about this store. Because this store was in California primarily, and that's where I'm from. Don't hold it against me. We don't judge people in this church, and if you do, I judge you. So we'll just move forward. 
in the idea that I wanted to work at this store. It was a typical teenage store. It was like American Eagle. It was like Sun. It was, you know, like, uh, I don't know, what's another teenage store out there? You know, Forever 21. There you go. Yeah, just something like that. And wanted to work there, so I went and I applied. And I applied uh, at the store, and the guy said, come back for an interview. So I came back for an interview, and man, he liked me in the interview because I feel like if I can get you in front of me, we can have a conversation. I can tell you exactly how great I am. And I can be at your store. So I came back for another interview, but I didn't know this. It was a group interview. How many of you have ever been in a group interview before? It's weird. That's a dynamic that's never as weird. Because in the group dynamic, you want to be um, seen, but not too seen. You want to be forward, but not too forward. You want to be charming, but not too charming. You want to be aggressive, but not too aggressive. You got to stand out, but in the best possible way. And let me just tell y'all, I was the best in the group, if I have to say so myself. The guy calls me the next day and he says, hey, Aaron, I want you to know you were the best in the group. We're going to hire you. This is what the man said. He was the manager of the store. I said, thank you so much. Obviously, I'm blessed. You know, you got to give it up to the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, you, know, you got to just defer when people tell you you're great. And so I was like, don't worry, I'll be there. He goes, but check it out. We're working on the schedule right now. So we'll let you know when to come in to start your paperwork and get yourself going. And I'm like, how many of y'all know I just be excited? I just excited. I'm ready to go work at Anchor Blue. A week goes by, no phone call. I chalked it up to they're still reorganizing the, the, the store, right? They got to figure stuff out. Two weeks go by, no phone call. I start to think something's wrong. Three weeks go by, and I say, you know what? I need to call them because it's now almost a month, and if I was going to hire somebody, I'd probably want to at least have them come in and fill out the basic paperwork to come onto the store. So I called them up, and I said, hey, wanted to check in. It's Aaron, your boy who did really good in the group interview, you know, Grijalva, G-R-I-J-A-L-V-A. You know who I'm talking about? He goes, who? I said, Aaron, the guy I was there, was in the group interview. I, I interviewed a couple of times. You said I was the best at, in the group, and you were going to call me back. He goes, oh, yeah, hey, man, yeah, my bad. We found someone better, but I got to go. And he hung up. And I remember thinking, well, that didn't feel good. It felt kind of, kind of hurt, kind of offended to the point where I went on a six and a half year strike <laughs> of Anchor Blue. This was before social media, so I couldn't get up on there and post about them. So I did my own posting. I would walk by the store and say, y'all are terrible. And they'd be like, well, who was that? As I, you know, you do the drive-by scream, you know, the drive-by scream. So you can't get arrested, but it's not appropriate because I got rejected. And I was thinking about it, about why does rejection feel so bad? You ever notice that? You ever ask yourself that question? Why does rejection feel so, why is it when I, when I, I like apply to a college and the rejection letter comes back and you know you applied to eight other ones that are a possibility, but just the fact that someone, you put yourself out there, right? And someone said, no, we don't want you. It's not corporate, it's personal, right? Or, or 
You asked the person out and they said no. Or you, you, at, you, you, you got fired from a job. Come on. And they said, hey, we got to let you go because we're downsizing at the same time they're hiring people, right? You're like, what is going on? And this rejection feeling I had, I was wrestling with it a little bit and it made me think about it. And I was like, you know what? The reason I feel and why it hurts so much when we get rejected is because it touches on the second purpose that I'm going to talk to you about today. And that's fellowship. So last week was relationship. We have a kind of a chart here. So we have like relationship was last week and you're on earth for relationship with God. And so that's great because now it's vertical, right? You start with vertical because you got to get vertical. You got to know what your relationship is with Christ because it really sets the tone for everything else. But it does eventually move to fellowship. It does eventually move to what you and I create and connect with on the horizontal. The person you're sitting next to maybe, maybe it's in your relationship with others, in your, in your marriage, maybe it's a relationship with others in your, in, your, in your neighborhood or at your work or your friends or maybe it's your family, your extended family, or there's just people that you meet randomly or the person that cut you off in traffic on the way to church. It is the inevitable relationship connection that you have with others that is affected by your relationship with God. And the fact is, is that oftentimes when we're rejected, it messes with our, our feeling of being connected with somebody because someone has basically said, we do not want to be in relationship with you. And you and I have a deep, longing purpose to be in fellowship with others. We, we call it uh, here at Rise, finding family. We believe that you, in your life, me, in my life, humans, are all, our second purpose in life is to, we are on this earth to find family. Like, find your fit. Find your circle. Find your people. Find your homies. Whoever you want to call it, it doesn't really matter. But finding the people that you are called to grow life in. I find it interesting how Paul says in chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, in fact, specifically in 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Did you? That's a kind of a weird way of saying things. The eyes of my heart, the last time I checked, my heart has no eyes. But saying the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, what is he saying? He's saying how you, come on, he's saying how you're, you're, you see things affects who you are. Your feelings, right? Your heart is your feelings and all the stuff that happened to you, good and bad, and all the feelings that you have. It affects how you see the world. Maybe another way to say it is what happened to you often determines what happens to you. So the things that you're dealing with right now, isn't it interesting how who you are is really a makeup of all the things that has ever happened to you in your life? Some of you live your life like that. You have a marriage in a certain way simply because you saw your mom and dad a certain way and you don't want that to happen. Come on, somebody. Or you, you, you work right now at a job and the way you work at your job is simply because of a relationship that you had with someone and maybe affected you in a certain way. And so what happened to you, come on, determines often what happens to you. And Paul wants you to know, he wants you to actually realize that he wants the eyes of your heart. He wants that way you feel about things in life to get healed. He wants you to get healed with stuff so you don't walk around life with baggage and ruin what could happen to you. He's saying you got potential, but you got to deal with the mess that's happened inside of your spirit and your life and your feelings and you're all up in your feelings. And if you don't figure that stuff out, it's going to eventually mess with you in your future. And he says the way that you do that is you find family. Because when you find family, you find freedom. 
And the family of God in the Bible is always the local church. It's always the local church. I'll show it to you, 1 Timothy chapter 3. He says, I'm writing to you so you will know how to live in the family of God. Y'all see it, right? He says, you're going to live in the family of God. Let me tell you what the family of God is. That is the church. So anybody who tells you, you're going to make your purpose just love God. That's not true. The relationship with God and your relationship with the church are interconnected. Why? Because Jesus started the church. He calls the church his bride. And I've said this before. You can't really fully love Jesus if you don't love his church. There's a lot of negative talk about the church lately. Because pastors like me do dumb things, and because we see pastors as the church in a lot of ways, we are representatives of God, now all of a sudden, because the pastor was dumb, now the church is dumb, and because the church is dumb, I can't connect with the church. But you got to read the Bible if you're going to find your purpose in life. It's going to be found in the local church. Like, I'm going to spend some time here defending the bride of Christ, defending the local church. Is it perfect? No. Does it got a lot of issues? Yes. Is the pastor of this church got problems? Heck yes. But the problem that we will run into eventually is that you'll love God a whole lot, and your vertical relationship will be really, really good. But eventually what will happen is, is you'll find yourself caught up with a lot of baggage and a lot of mess, and he'll free you from your sin, but you'll have a bunch of emotional issues that can only be freed from you from people of God. So you'll get caught missing it if you don't realize that the local church is God's family. We're on this earth to find spiritual family. I like what Ephesians chapter 1, this is earlier in the letter, he says, Paul says, long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us so much and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. This is his unchanging plan. So God has a purpose for your purpose. His unchanging plan was that you were adopted in his own family. This is so good. Bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus, and this gave him great pleasure, that you are in a family of God. When you join church, when you join Christianity, you didn't join a religion, you didn't join a club, you didn't join a cool, like, really cool, fun place to go hang out, you joined a family. You joined a family. In fact, he goes on in Ephesians, he says, so you're no longer visitors or strangers. Some translations say aliens. You can't really use that anymore because, well, you've seen the world. And so now you are citizens together with God's holy people, and you belong to God's what? God's club. You, you, you belong to God's, God's job, God's ministry. You're part of God's farm. No, you're, you're part of his family. You and I are sons and daughters. It's clear that God wants you and I to be a part of a family. It's clear that God's purpose for us inside of life is for us to be connected with one another, not just connected with him. You need him. It's crazy important to be connected to him, but you got to be connected to each other, especially in the local church. Local church is the hope of the world, period. It's how God was going to change the world. And if that's true, then I wanted to give you three benefits of fellowship. If I can, let's say you're considering church, right? Let's say you're, you're like, I'm good with God, but like his people are kind of weird. I agree with you. There are a lot of weird Christians. And my biggest pet peeve is weird people doing weird things in the name of God and making God weird. God's not weird. That person's weird. And they decided to put, do something weird and put God's name on it. God ain't weird. God's normal. God cares about you. God's relevant. God knows your life. God wants to be a part of your life. He, but he also wants you to be in relationship with others. And so you might have found somebody weird. You just got to find somebody not weird. 
there's a lot of people in this church. So, I mean, if you didn't connect with one person, guess what? Try another circle. <laughs> Just keep going. But I'm gonna give you three benefits today, three benefits of being in fellowship. Number one, when I get in fellowship with, with God's family, I have family support. Everybody say support. Yeah, this is important. This is important nowadays. This is like really important that one day you and I, even if you're fiercely independent, one day you and I, in order for us to get to our purpose, not to just exist. You don't need this if you're just gonna exist. But if you're gonna get to your purpose, if you're gonna make something of yourself in this world, you're gonna need some support. Nobody gets anywhere alone. Not Michael Jordan. Not Tom Brady. Not Bill Gates. Not Steve Jobs. No one who you and I would ever consider to be a great success got there alone. They needed support. You and I need support. And I believe that God talks about support primarily in two ways. The first one is you're going to need some support getting healed up. Second way, you're going to need support getting helped up. First one is healed up. James chapter 5 says, confess your sins to each other. This weird, James. Because that's not what the pastor taught me when I was growing up. That's not what the priest said. That's not what I heard somebody on TV who has a hanky and says, touch the screen and send $5 say. I'm talking about he... James said, confess your sins one to each other. Now, why would I tell somebody else my sins? That sounds weird. They can't forgive me of my sins. Go read the Bible, pastor. Why would he ever say to do that? Well, James explains it. And pray that so you actually might get healed from those sins. And you're like, wait. I thought God said to when, okay, wait. When I'm going through something, I thought it said, like, confess it to God, and then God will send a miracle. Now, let's ask a question. Does God do miracles? It's not a trick question. We can all say yes together. It's powerful. One, two, three. Okay. God does miracles. It's powerful. You know how he does miracles? Through people. Now, can God miraculously come in your life and heal you of your emotional wounds? Yes. But if you look at his scripture and you watch his ways and you, you kind of navigate his principles, God is in the business of using people to heal people. He loves to do it. That's what he did with Jesus. He likes to use people to walk up to you and go, hey, you going through something? And then you say, yes, instead of, nah, I'm blessed and highly favored and do the fake Christian thing. Y'all been to that church? Hopefully we don't do that here. If I hear it, I will stomp it out. Because you ain't always blessed and you ain't always highly favored. Can I get an amen? Because you live in this world and you were probably told something crazy at your job. When you were driving on 1604. At Walmart, at the Target, at the gas station, you probably were told something crazy in your room this morning by your spouse. And so, because we live in a world where people hurt people, God loves to use people to heal people. It's kind of God's way. So God meant for the earth and people to bless each other. Satan comes in, perverts it. By the way, anything God creates, Satan perverts. It's kind of his way. He can't create anything. 
So he takes what God creates and he perverts it. God creates life. What's a perversion of life? Death. You, you see how he did it? You see? So God creates it. Satan perverts it. God creates humans to bless each other. Satan uses humans to hurt each other. So what God does is he goes, no, no, you thought that was going to, were you trying to rewrite the script? That's not how it works. You're going to bless somebody. And in order for you to be blessed by somebody, this is the key word here, in your emotional wounds and in your physical wounds and in your mental wounds and in your spiritual wounds and your relational wounds, how you get healed, the key word there is confess. It's confession. Now, I have a lot of people, we have a lot of people who come to this church, different backgrounds, different religions, respect all religions. We have Catholic people who come to this church. I'm so happy you're here. We have Christian people who come to this church. I'm so happy you're here. We have people who don't even know God who are here. We're so happy you're here. We have people who are like atheists, have walked up to me and have said, we don't believe in any of this. But we just think it's amazing here. I'm like, bless God. I hope you keep coming. I hope you keep coming. What's funny is they think they're winning. I'm like, you just get around Jesus long enough. He's going to get you. <laughs> just, sure, go ahead. Yeah. I guess. But you got to confess. You got to connect with somebody. And you've been praying to God. I bet, I bet, I bet you got hurt. And you've been praying to God to heal you of your hurt and your wounds and your baggage. Because some of us have some baggage. I got some baggage. Do you got some baggage? Anybody? Anybody been through something? Anybody been betrayed? Come on, just keep it up. We'll just find somebody. You've been betrayed? Okay, you've been hurt? Okay, yeah, you had some issues? You got in a fight? Somebody called you a name? Somebody backstabbed you? Somebody? Okay, good. Okay, so we seem to all have baggage. So you are not good. You're messed up. Welcome to the team. So how do we fix being messed up? Confession. Not to a pastor. Not to a priest. Not even to God. James says, you confess one to each other. So look left. This is weird. I know. I'm going to make you awkward. Look left. Just look left. Look left. Your left. My left is that way. Look that way. Left. Okay, then look right. Some of y'all are like looking right like your left, pastor, or my left. Just look somewhere. That's the person you confess to. And you're like, but you don't know if I told them. I mean, even I can't handle it. Okay. You're probably not supposed to tell everybody, but you better tell somebody. You better get it out of you. I find it interesting that the children of Israel, if you go back and look in the Old Testament, it's a crazy story. Like the Israelites. Y'all remember Moses? Anybody ever heard of Moses? It's like one of the most famous Bible people ever. You know, Moses, the Moses, Charlton Heston, Moses. Let my Y'all even know it. You don't even been to the church, been never even nothing about the Bible, don't even like Jesus. And you know what he said. His famous statement was what? Let my. Yeah, there you go. Y'all know it. You saw the movie. So the story of the children of Israel is they get delivered, right? God delivers them. Like he delivers you and me. Delivers us. And then they get into the desert. And you find it weird in the story is you'd be like, God. You know that they were singing when they got out of the desert, when they got out of Egypt, they were free. They got free because, like, God went ahead and messed with them. Pharaoh and all that. Let my people go. Pharaoh lets his people go, and they be walking out. God, you're so good. Right? They be singing that song. God, 
Yo, then they'd be in the desert for 40 years. And after that, I'd be thinking, be going like, God, what in the world? Right? Like, wouldn't you be singing that? Like, where did you go? You don't care. Like, right? You start making up songs about how God forgot you. And you wonder why they were in Egypt for 40 years. You want to know why? Or in the desert for 40 years is because God got them out of Egypt, but he had to get Egypt out of them. And he, some of us in here who have given their lives to Jesus and your eternity is secure and you got out of Egypt, but Egypt's still in you. And you're asking the Lord to deliver you from Egypt and he's saying the, your deliverance is found in the hands of your family. Because I've given them the power to, have you ever had the moment, isn't it weird, have you ever had the moment when you were like messed up and you called your friend? Come on, ladies. You called your girl. And you be tearing. And the eyes. And then you'd be like, you don't know what And you just talked, right? You just talked. She didn't even give you no good advice. But she cried with you? Come on, isn't there a power in that? Like when you're crying, someone else starts crying, you'll be like, you feel me. When they don't even know what they feel you, but they're just crying with you because they're your friend. And then when you were done, you walked away from the meeting going, I feel like I can breathe. Right? I got it off my, I got it off my, my chest. I feel like I, I, a weight got lifted up. What was that? You confessed one to each other and you found healing. It's like James seemed to know what he was talking about. So I'm just telling you, if you're in relationships with others, you got to find someone. I'm not saying to confess to everybody. There's some stuff that everybody should not know about you, but somebody should know that about you so that you don't hide it and it don't get worse. Last time I checked, nothing good grows in the dark. So you want to get healed, you got to kind of dig it up and get it up out of there and then start showing it to people, not everybody, and not on social media, and not to people who don't love you and trust you, but you get it to somebody who might be licensed and can handle that and actually take care of you, right? So why? So you can get healed. By the way, if you're married in here, if you're married, raise your hand. Touch some sky. Touch it. Just touch it. I'm proud to get married. Okay, great. We all trying to make it. Listen, big deal, big deal. Can you trust your pastor? Just for a second. Make your marriage a safe place for your spouse to confess. I'm just telling you. But you don't know who I'm married to. I get it. But if they hide it from you, they're going to hide it from everybody. You got to be that place where they come in and they go, babe, here's what I did again. Will you pray for me? And you not be the one to say, I told you going to do it. No, no. You, what if you said, hey, baby, I'm so sorry. You, you're, you're better than that. And I'm here and I'm with you and I'm praying for you. What, what would that do to your relationship? Well, it'll just let him do it again. No, it won't. That's not what that does. That's the enemy going to say, don't, don't you forgive him. Don't you let her off the hook. That doesn't sound like Jesus. Forgiveness sounds like Jesus. 
Steps sound like Jesus. Helping sounds like Jesus. Praying for him sounds like Jesus. I'm with you sounds like Jesus. Let him confess. Let her confess. Make it a safe place so that you can get better. Number two is help up. Romans chapter one. This is another letter Paul writes. He says, I want us to help each other. There it is. I want us to help each other. I say help. I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith, we're going to help me, and my faith is going to help you. Spiritual family gives us help we need to accomplish the purpose that we have in life. Another Moses story, if you ever go back and read it, Moses had a moment where he was, the children of Israel were there fighting an army, and Moses' arms need to be held up. This is a really cool story. You should go back and check it out. It's an Old Testament. Powerful. Moses was getting tired, and the whole time, every time his hands were up, with his hands up, his my hands would fall, the, the children of Israel would be losing the war. So how many of y'all know his hands are important? We need his hands to stay up. So he had two dudes come alongside him and hold his hands up. Why? So that Moses' purpose can handle and happen in the earth. You have a purpose. Everybody say, I got a purpose. You do. You, you have a purpose. You are, lived, you are here on purpose for a purpose. You have a purpose. But you never going to get it. If you don't have spiritual family around you to hold your arms up, you're strong. You man, I get it. You powerful, got anointing on your life. But you ain't ever going to do what you can do alone. You got to have somebody around you to help you up. You got to get, big thing, get past independence. That's like an American thing, by the way. And I love America. I'm proud to be American. I will be American forever. We are the best country. I'm just telling you, I love America, but we don't live in a democracy as Christians. It's, it's a kingdom. We got a king. We're interdependent. Do you, inter, kingdoms have interdependence. We are dependent on the king. We are dependent on each other. So your independence, be careful, be careful. It'll get in the way. It'll get in the way. It, it'll get in the way. I, I get it. Come and take it. I get it. Your independence will get away in the way of your deliverance if you're not careful. Just make sure, just keep an eye on that. Number two, number two, second thing. Benefits. We're talking about benefits of the family. I receive family protection. Everybody say protection. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, two people are better off than one, for they help each other succeed. This is like written by like an incredibly wise, the wisest person. Solomon, he says, if one person falls and the other can reach up and help, but if someone falls alone, he's in some real trouble. And you're like, yeah, Solomon, that sounds about right. That's kind of how I live my life. Because when I fall, ain't nobody else. Isn't it interesting how you love to be independent until you get hurt? I always tell people it's, um, it's love to be unknown in church until you need help. It's great to walk into a church our size and be like, sit in the back and never talk to nobody until you need help. Until you need something. Until you run into a health issue that you, you didn't see coming with your kids. With yourself. Talk about like I'm healthy. Healthy people die all the time. And none of us guaranteed nothing. What happens if you fall? Are you alone? Are you protected? God cares about his family. So he puts you in family, right? So that you have protection. So that you ain't in it alone. I remember I was with my wife. We went to a New Orleans Saints game because the Saints are like God's God's team. That's who they, that's God. There's a lot of Cowboy fans are confused. That's America's team is the Saints. Sorry. It just is what it is. I know I got a lot of, most 99% of y'all are Cowboy fans. It's all good. We're praying for you. It's going to be okay. I know y'all think you're good right now. Give it time. They're going to disappoint. So anyway, so, okay, just, it's okay. Just come back, come back. It's okay. It's okay. Write letters. 
Jason at risechurchtx.com, executive pastor. So, so listen, 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 listen. I'm at a Saints game with my wife. They're playing that for, the, the, the New Orleans Saints are playing the San Francisco 49ers in New Orleans. So we're there. Um, I have connections, so we're on the field. I meet Drew Brees, not a big deal. We're buds. He doesn't know who I am, but we're best friends. And uh, we, we're in the game, but we're sitting on the Niners side. So, like, there's a visitor side and there's a home side. We're sitting on the Niners side and surrounded by just red jerseys everywhere. And I'm like, this is demonic. This is what Satan, this is how it feels like when you're surrounded by Satan and his minions. So I'm around him. Me and my wife are in the middle. It's like, like a donut with, like, a little black center with me on my jersey. Like, me and my wife with our jerseys on. And we're, we're having a good time. Because the saints are up. And then the Niners are up, and then the Saints are up, and then the Niners are up. And the whole time, there's this dude in front of us. This dude in front of us. And I don't know if y'all have been seeing some of these crazy videos coming out with, like, football fights lately. Has anybody seen these crazy football fights? It almost happened with your pastor. Because this guy was in the front, and he was right there, and he was mouthing off. My wife's right here. He's right here. And he's turning around, and he's mouthing off. And it wasn't fun. And I'm a fun guy. Tell I ain't. Keep saying stuff, saying stuff, and all of a sudden he just gets some liquid courage enough up in him. You know what I'm talking about? One too many Bud Lights. He's just coming up, and so he's sitting there, and he stands. We're standing the whole time because it's like a big game. And he looks over, and he's like, "Say something, say something." And then he like leans towards my wife, and I don't, I don't know what kind of a Christians you guys are, but like, um, I'm barely saved up in this church. And so, you know, I'm one bad move from BC version of myself coming out, right? Before Christ and just flashing on somebody and going, what happened? And so he leaned towards my wife and I said, yo, bro. And I put my hand on him hard. Just check him, guys, right? Just, just a little bit of a check yourself. And he looked at my wife and I go, what you doing? And he goes, Oh, he go, oh, oh. I said, oh, is right. My friends right here, they're like, we doing this? Like, are we, this, are we doing this? Because if we're doing it, I need to take stuff off, pull my wallet out, set my drink over here. I need my hot dog because if we're doing this. And he goes, man, I'm so sorry. I'm talking to my friend behind your wife. And the guy behind him goes, no, he was yelling at me. And I was like, oh, and then I turned back into a Christian. Oh, babe, bro, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm a Jesus follower. You know, I love God. The Bible says, you know, love everybody. You know, it's all good. Niners, you know, I'm from the Bay Area. You know, it's, I didn't believe any of that in that moment, you know. But what's so cool is I think why I was so brave is because all of my friends were in the row. And. And if you're in a spot one day where you need protection, you ain't got nobody in your row. I'm talking about spiritual protection. Somebody get up in your face or somebody you love. Come on. You're going to need some protection. This world is dangerous. There is a danger to the world. Let me give you a couple ways you get protected with spiritual family. This is how I think. You get protection from yourself, number one. Because I'm the smartest, dumbest person to myself. Has anybody ever noticed that? If you want to do something dumb, have you ever noticed how you can convince yourself, find a Bible verse, and then even find something online where a study said that you should do that? 
until someone comes in my life and goes, hey, uh, you know that's dumb, right? I'm like, oh, I didn't even, I didn't even know that. And sometimes there's like wisdom in somebody's life that you can borrow. Do you know what wisdom is? Wisdom is borrowing the insight for our gain. It's borrowing someone else's insight for our gain. It's like, oh, I can use your mistake and not let it be my mistake and I can actually be better. Yeah. So here's a thought. If you ever want wisdom from somebody, let's say you meet somebody for coffee. Can I just give you some free advice? If you meet somebody for coffee or you ask somebody a question or you say, hey, what do you think about this? Number one, be quiet. Nothing I hate most just so y'all know, so if you ever meet with me, ask me a question, and then you tell me the answer, and I sit there for an hour. I'm like, why did we meet? You could have just had a meeting with yourself in front of the mirror. So if you ask a question and you want wisdom, be quiet. Number two, don't defend, because more than likely, somebody who loves you enough to tell you something about yourself is going to bug you. He's going to say, hey, you didn't brush your teeth. Your teeth be funky. And you're like, no, they're not. I brushed them last week. Well, duh, we know. Like, don't defend. And number three, be submitted. So if they give you advice and tell you something you should do, don't find a way to not do what he's going to do. Biggest second pet peeve is if I give you advice and you don't follow it, we ain't going to meet no more. I wasted my time. Because you get some protection from yourself. By the way, my staff does that for me. I got a lot of great ideas for this church until they come up to me and say, well, you know, that's not really a great idea, Pastor. And I'm like, but I'm the pastor of this church. And they're like, we're trying to keep you the pastor of this church. Get some people around you, protect you from yourself. Yes? That's a good one. Some of y'all, I don't like that. Okay, how about protection from others? Um, funny story the other day. My, I have five, five boys. Five. Cinco. Five. I have five boys. Fifteen-year-olds down to six. When they were younger, it was a lot easier to wrestle them. Because they were small. And I was big. And dad could put them all in a pile and lay on them. And I go, ah! But now, the other day, I walked up to my nine-year-old and I was like, you're going to get it now. And I started wrestling with him and I felt two big paws. One right here. Another one on my chest. And then... Once that happened, I felt a big fist come whoosh right into my gut. And I turn around, and it's his brothers. They say, you mess with him? You mess with me? And I said, oh, yeah? <laughs> I'm tired anyway. Erica! <laughs> because sometimes you're going to get into a fight and you're going to need somebody. You're going to need with your brothers. A lot of fights I would have lost if I didn't have my brothers. I don't have natural brothers, but I got a whole lot of spiritual brothers. So you coming after me, you're going after them. And some of us need to cultivate that side of our life. Third one is this, and I'm done. I become productive. We're talking about benefits of fellowship. I become productive in the family. Did you know that you were called to produce, not just exist? So some of us in here were like, well, I just made it through the day. That's a win. For a season, maybe, but you need to go do something. John 15 says, a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. 
Those who remain in me and I in him will produce. Ever say produce. They'll produce much fruit. We're called to produce something. You're called to live a life that contributes to life. Did you hear me? You're called to contribute to life. You're called to live a life that contributes to life. You're not supposed to just be a taker. By nature, a Christian gives more than he receives. You got to be a a producer, but you got to have something to give. It is the most godly thing in the world for you to work. Some of y'all are like, don't make me think about Monday. It's Sunday. I got to think about Monday. That means I got to go back to work. It's godly that you work. You're supposed to contribute. Satan wants you to not contribute to this earth. He wants you just to exist. Hey, just float. Just float. Just make it. God said, no. You got to have life. God wants you to have purpose. Satan wants you to have existence. God wants you to have peace. Satan wants you to have war. God wants you to have production. Satan wants you to have destruction. Satan has a plan for your life, just like God has a plan for your life. Did you know that? He does. 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this letter. He says, so Satan will not outsmart us. We've got to be familiar with his evil schemes. Like, there's a devil. He has got a plan for your life. You've got to be familiar with his plan. And here's one of his strategies for how he actually gets, gets, takes you out. He disconnects you from your spiritual family. And here's what it's going to sound like. They don't need you. That church just wants your money. They never loved you anyway. See, I knew they were going to hurt you. If they hurt you, that means they're not real family. And if you've ever been in a real family, you know that's complete nonsense. Because the last time I checked, the person that hurts me the most is my family. Because I've chosen to live with them. So that's not a litmus test of family. You know what a litmus test of family is? That you are together producing something under the blood. Like there's blood involved. There's covenant involved. Like, I'm, I'm committed to being with you. You're committed to being with me. We're in family because we family. So yeah, you're going to hurt my feelings. But I'm not going to let Satan whisper into my ear, see, they hurt you. That pastor's going to hurt you like the last pastor. You don't think we got that in here? No, that church is just going to, wait, you're going to love it at the beginning, and then you're going to, tail off and then eventually someone's going to say something to you and they're just going to be like every other church that's Satan's plan he's going to whisper it to you and you got to be able to know it and he wants you to get you why why because he wants to get you disconnected from your spiritual family why so once you're disconnected from the vine you don't produce but you're called to produce I'll show it to you Genesis chapter 2 the Lord God took the man put him in the garden of Eden to what Nobody writes this on their bumper sticker. Nobody gets this tattooed, you know? I'm called to work. Everybody's like, I'm called to retire. I'm called to live the blessed life. I'm called to be rich. Where's that Bible verse? God called you to work. God called you to produce. Your greatest life is connected to God through the local church to produce. You want to produce? You get in a fellowship with others. You get in fellowship with others. You get connected. You stay connected to God. You stay connected to the vine. You stay connected to his people. You stay connected to the spiritual family. When you do that, all bets are off. All bets are off. So yes, purpose. 
number one, relationship with God. Purpose number two today, relationship with others. Relationship, fellowship. Relationship, fellowship. Do you see it? It's the godly way. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord. I thank you that today, God, you have a good purpose for us. And our purpose starts with your, our purpose with you. So many times I think we get messed up. So many times we, we miss it. We miss the mark. We miss what we're supposed to be doing because we've, we've, we've misaligned. We didn't start with who you were in our lives. And I pray that, God, if somebody has given up on the local church that's supernaturally right now, they would come back. And it doesn't have to be at Rise. It could be at another Bible-believing, Jesus-loving local church. But they, they give your local church, your bride, another chance to help them fulfill their purpose, to help them get to where they need to get to, to help them take a step that they've never taken before. And my prayer right now, Lord, is that somebody would hear that. Still small voice. In Jesus' name.